It's so good to see you in the house of the Lord on this morning to worship the Lord and uh, thank God for his faithfulness in our lives. Amen. Praise God. I want to uh, go, go. I intended on going a different direction this morning and the next couple of weeks, but when yesterday I uh, heard the Spirit of the Lord drop something in my spirit and just want to share it with you on this morning. Is that all right? So it may be somebody that needs to hear it today. Uh, I want to go, first of all, to the book of Joshua. I want to look at the third chapter, Joshua chapter 3. And we'll start reading there on this morning. Joshua 3, verse number 1. And then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Archaea Grove and came to the Jordan. And he and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests and the Levites bearing it, <clears throat> then you shall set out from your place and go after it. And yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits. <clears throat> it's about a half a mile by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And then Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and cross over for before the people. Amen. <clears throat> Take up the ark and cross over before the people. <clears throat> In this text, we find a young leader of the name of Joshua that has taken over the leadership. He is the pastor, if you will, of the children of Israel. Uh, Moses had uh, had that position. He uh, led Israel for many years, and now uh, Moses has died, and on numerous occasions, God would speak to Joshua and say to him, as I was with Moses, so I am with you. I'm sure that he must have had a uh, identity crisis. He must have been uh, a little bit uh, leery about uh, taking such a position because Moses was a person that was highly esteemed. He was honored, he was revered, he was respected not only by Israel, but his enemies, because they knew that he knew God and knew how to get in touch with God and had a relationship that when he uh, spoke, that God would bring his words to pass. And so now this young Joshua comes up and now he is in leadership and uh, he tells them, uh, the Lord speaks to him and says to him, I want you to give directive to the children of Israel. And he said, after three days that you are to seek the ark and to go after it, right? You're to seek the ark and to go after it. Uh, this is a, uh, something that has to be in all of our hearts today. We know the Ark of the Covenant is the where the glory of God was. It is the presence of God. It is, it is the anointing of God. Whatever you want to refer to it as, it is where uh, God was. It's where His presence resided. It was the tangible presence of God wherever the Ark would go right and so we see that and we see that that god tells uh israel that you have to go after it there's got to be something on the inside of us as believers as children of god as followers of the lord jesus christ that has a desire to go after the things of god if there is not a hunger on the inside of us we will never see the goodness of god 
It's a lot of people today that they're running after a prophet. They're wanting somebody to prophesy to them. I believe in the gift of prophecy. I believe in all the gifts of the Spirit. I believe they should be in operation in every church around the world. It is not just a, a Pentecostal thing. It is not just an apostolic thing. It is a God thing. And so therefore, it should be everywhere. And no matter what is over the, the door, there ought to be the gifts of the Spirit working in operating in each and every church because it should be in each and every life. Can you say amen? The thing about it is, is no, that it doesn't matter if it is a prophet or not. If there is nothing in you, then there's nothing for a, a prophet to prophesy to. Amen. If you don't have, if you don't, and let me try to say it this way, if you don't have a heart for something, if you're not believing for anything, if you're not praying about nothing, then there's nothing to prophesy over. There's nothing to speak into. But at the fact that you have been seeking God, the fact that you have been going after God, the fact that you have desired the things of the Spirit, that when the word of the Lord comes, it will find you wherever you are and will speak that resurrection life and power to you to enable you to be all, do all, and accomplish all, and will be an affirmation or a confirmation to what you have been seeking. That's the word of the Lord. That's the promise of God. That's the prophetic word. And so he tells the children of Israel, you can't sit here anymore. You can't stay here anymore. You've got to go after the presence of God. And I believe today that we have become lax, we have become comfortable, we have become complacent, we have a spirit of apathy upon the American church where that we are comfortable staying where we are. But the Spirit of the Lord would come today and say, it's time for us to get up and go for it. It's time for us to get up and go after the presence of God, the anointing of God, because if you're not hungry, you'll not be filled. The Bible said those who hunger and thirst shall be filled, right? And so there's got to be a hunger. There's got to be a desire on the inside of our hearts for the things of God, for the things of the Spirit. And whenever we are hungry for it, He will fill us. Amen. Then He tells them, He says, not only do you have to go after it, but He says to them, you have to stay close, right? stay close he said whenever you see the ark he said then stay close whenever you experience the presence of god there are that you have to stay close to the presence of god god is always moving amen god is always moving so if we stay still if we remain if we become complacent for a moment for a time for a season God does not stop because we stop. God does not quit because to, to slow, he may slow down his pace, but he never stops his pace. When you see God in the beginning, what is he doing? He is moving across the waters. When you see God throughout the scriptures, he is moving. He is a God that is on the move. He doesn't never stop. He never, he do, never does uh, uh, quit. He doesn't give up. He doesn't, he, he doesn't sleep right? He never rests. He's always moving. And so we too, not in the natural, but in the spirit, we too have to be continually, progressively going after God and following him. Sometimes it's a quicker pace. Sometimes it's a slower pace, but there is a pace that we, the rhythms of the spirit, the rhythms of life that we follow. And sometimes we run fast and other times we, we may go a, a slow, but the fact of it is, is we're still following after God. We're still hungry for him and we're staying close to him. Because have you ever tried to follow somebody? They say, you know, especially before you got GPS and ways and all of that, you tried to follow somebody and they weren't a very good leader. Amen. I, I'll make a confession to you. That's me. You'd be better off to get it in your GPS than to try to follow me because I may know that you're trying to follow me, but that don't mean that I'm not going to get on down the road. 
right? And sometimes it means that if you don't stay up with the person, the light will change. And you get stuck, right? And then you, have, you wonder where they're going, right? I became consciously aware of this whenever I was trying to follow a friend of mine in, uh, that I was hunting with, and he goes faster than me. And I have never been where we're at, and he takes off. I mean takes off. And I'm trying to keep up on these back roads. I have no idea. Did he turn right? Did he turn left? Did he stay? I don't see him anymore. Where did he go? 15 minutes, I think maybe he'll send me a text or he'll send me something. Let me know. Drop a line, whatever. I don't hear from him. I have to find him on my own, right? It wasn't no fun. In fact, I got pretty aggravated. And, and, and today, sometimes if what I'm trying to say is this, is we do not continually follow God and stay within view in distance of God. We can get distracted. We can get off track. We can, we can lose the course in which we are to stay on. And so we have to stay close enough to be able to see the direction that God is taking us. Because this is where the children of Israel were. He said, stay close because you've never been here before. You've never gone where we're going, right? And so he is telling them, he says, I want you to stay close to the glory. I want you to stay close to the presence of God. Because as we go, you've got to be able to see the moving of God. You've got to see the direction of God. You've got to see the presence of God and know which way to go. And I believe today that that's the, that has to be the heartbeat of the church. That we have to stay close to God so that we know the direction. Because I believe today that if I hear, I'm hearing the presence of God and hearing the Spirit of God clearly in, in this season, that we there has to be a, a shift in the kingdom of God. There has to be a shift in the way that the things that we are doing and, and what we're what is going to bring in this last day harvest is not going to look anything like where we have been. There are some things about God that never change. There are some things of God, about God that are undebatable. The virgin birth. Huh? The blood of Jesus. The death, burial, and resurrection. Huh? The ascension. The return. The coming of the Lord. Those things are non-negotiable. They're, they're set in stone, right? They, they don't ever change. But the methods in which we reach out, the way that God does a thing, uh, it changes all the time. If you don't believe it, just read your Bible. <clears throat> How many people did Jesus heal of blindness? <clears throat> I believe it's probably eight or ten in scriptures that he healed of blindness. But it doesn't say that he ever healed any of them the same way. He always did it different. One man, he, he spits on the ground, right? <clears throat> and makes mud or clay out of the dirt and then rubs it in his eyes, right? How many want an appointment with Dr. Jesus? <laughs> he spits on the ground, makes him some mud and then rubs it in this fella's eyes and then tells him to go wash, right? And you know the end result, because we read the book. He, he's healed, right? He, he can see, he's whole. And then he goes on and, and later on, and, and he, he heals another man of blindness, right? And I'm, maybe he's already heard about this story and he knows he's heard, and I don't know, it's just a suggestion that maybe he's heard about it. And he says, I know what he's going to do. He's going to spit on the ground and he's going to make some mud and he's going to put it in my eyes. And so he says, okay, I'm ready. And, and Jesus, he hears Jesus clear his throat. And he says, oh, he's going to spit on the ground and hits him in the eye with it. 
right? He got him healed before he knew what was going on. He, he, didn't, he, met, he bypassed some things. He didn't spit on the ground this time. He spit in the man's eye, right? Because he's Jesus. He can do it however he wants to. And, and, and you know, sometimes we get, we get so into a, a system. We get into a method. We get into to, to this rut. And we think that it's got to be a certain way for God to do a certain thing. But God ain't going to let that happen because he knows our human nature is to get into a rut. Amen? I mean, even your natural body. You, I have an internal alarm clock. I don't have an alarm clock. Well, I've got it, but I don't have it. I got it set for six in case I've had a bad day. But I go to bed. They no need of you calling me after 10. So I'm going to be up in the bed. Amen. Now, if you want to get a hold of somebody, call Pastor Renee. Because she goes to bed about the time I'm getting up. She's got an internal alarm clock, too. And uh, we're just on different times, you know. She takes the second shift. <laughs> and... But, but our, our bodies are just created. We, after a while, you get used to it. I, I, you understand what I'm saying? We just get used to it. That's, that's our normal. That's how we function. That's how we operate. That's how we work. And, 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 and sometimes it, it spills over into the spirit world where that we become normalized and we become to a place where we're just satisfied or complacent because we've done it over and over and over and over and over again until we're really not experiencing believing or even thinking that anything is going to happen but we've got to understand that God is always on the move he's always doing things different and he, he may just slip in a blessing on us he may work in a way that seems like God he, I've never seen you do that before I've never seen it happen like that before but just because we've been being faithful just because we've been one day after the other praying and reading and seeking his face and calling on his name and believing him for a thing that he will show himself powerful and show you it isn't because we fasted more, because we prayed longer, not because we've done anything extra. It's just because we've done the faithful and been obedient and day by day. And then one day we do see he does something extraordinary. He does something out of the uh, normal and we've got to be ready to follow him and follow him closely so that we can know the direction that he is going amen this young leader gets ready to do something and he does it differently how I many know that took some boldness because he's doing something that Moses didn't do. He's telling the children of Israel, he's telling the priests to get the ark and to put it on their shoulders. And he says, we're going to have to go down here and put our feet in the Jordan water. Right? How many know that there was a church dispute right there? Well, Pastor Moses didn't do it that way. He just took that rod and stuck it out over the water. And <laughs> right? We didn't have to get our feet wet. What's wrong with this new leader we've got, this new pastor? <laughs> I've heard it before. You know, Pastor Waskowitz wouldn't have done it that way. I know, I know, but I'm not Pastor Waskowitz, right? He did what God told him to do. I'm trying to follow God, right? And, and 
And but this new leader, this young leader, he's always he he's already God keeps reaffirming to him as I was with Moses, so I am with you. So I know he was challenged in his mind. He he had these big shoes to fill, and he was probably worried or concerned. And now it seems like this is the first step that God gives him to get out there on his own. And he said, No, no, I don't want you to use the rod of Moses. I want you to tell the 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 priest to put their foot in the water. And if they'll be obedient and putting their foot in the water, that I'll stop the water from flowing. Right? And so this young leader steps out on faith and tells them, we've got to get the, the ark, we've got uh, the priests on the shoulders of the priests, and now you've got to get down to the Jordan, and we've got to step into the water, and when we do, something's going to happen. And you see, sometimes in our life, it, it takes a faith step. And, and we've got to do something we have never seen nobody else do before. Sometimes it's, and most of the time, it is so easy that it sounds silly. Silly. To ask us to do some grandiose thing. And God just says, if you'll take your shoes off, I'll show up. He just says, if you'll just put your foot in the water. I'll cause the water to roll back. It's simple. It's easy. It's just the act of obedience. And in the act of obedience, God reveals himself in power and in authority. And so this young leader gives them the directive that he hears from God. And when he does this and they are obedient in it, the Bible says that they were able, that the water rolled back all the way to Adam, right? And, and he says that they walked over on dry ground. But this is something I noticed here during this scripture and, and reading of this is that they would go over, but they weren't in a hurry. How do I know they weren't in a hurry? Because the Bible says that they took the stones that the priests were standing on, right? They picked them up and they carried them to the other side. They weren't rushing saying, my God, we got to get across here before this water comes back. They said, no, no, we aren't going to rush this. This is the thing of God. This is the goodness of God. And they took the stones and they carried them to the other side of the, uh, the water. And so they said, why are you doing that? And they said, because when your children rise up and look and say, what meaneth these stones? It'll be a testimony to the goodness of God in our life. Amen. Because there's a generation that will rise up there are people that haven't seen this day and there'll be generations to come that don't know nothing about it but when they look on the shore and they say what are these 12 stones that are laying here you can remind them and tell them that great grandfather was one of the, the uh, priests that stood on those stones that had would not waver wouldn't they would stand firm upon the word of God and upon the promise of God and they believe God and they stood on these stones and declared that God was going to make a way for us and we carried them across that water on dry ground and brought them over here for you and your children and your children's children to know that the God that we pray to answers our prayer and moves on our behalf and if he did it then he's still doing it now and he will do it for you in your future it was a testimony of the goodness of God. Amen. Had they not been faithful to cross over the river during flood stage, they had never been no walls of Jericho coming down. There would have been no promised land. They would have never seen the goodness that God had promised them because the goodness and the promises of God were not on that side of the river. They were on the other side of the river. Are you with me? And there's times in our life that God promises us things. And, and, and the word of the Lord comes to us and it is true. It is sure. But it does not mean that there isn't going to be a Goliath between us and our promise. 
It doesn't mean that there's not going to be a Jordan separating us from the things that God said I want to do in your life. But what it does mean is that you can be assured that if there is a promise on the other side, if you have a faith to run at your Goliath, that Goliath will come down. If you have the faith to go to your Jordan and put your feet in the water, the waters will roll back and you will go to the other side. Why? Because the promises of God are true they're yes and amen and he is no he will watch over his word and he will hasten to perform it but there will be something between us and the word of the Lord over our life that will cause us to say I have to have the faith in God to do what he said for me to do so I can get to my promise and what he said is mine it never just falls in your lap I don't care what they tell you Amen. This fluffy Christianity is not real. My Bible said those who live godly will, not might, but will, suffer persecution. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord shall deliver them out of them all. It shall rain on the just as well as the unjust. Huh? We're not exempt from it, but we've got a God that'll take us through it. And we on the other side will have the victory, have the promise, have the word of the Lord that comes over our life. And so they said these 12 stones are a testimony of God's faithfulness. These stones are the story about the time that God made a way when there seemed to be no way. Right? And so he said, if you're going to see this, you've got to do something you've never done. If we're not careful, we'll get into a rhythm, into a rut of just constantly doing the same things, never listening for the voice of God. Right? For the next step. If you only listen to God in this one season of your life and don't continue to listen to God in the next season of your life, you can kill your promise doing what God told you to do. Moses, take your son Isaac, your only son Isaac. Huh? Take him up on the mountain and sacrifice him. And Moses did what God told him to do. And he could have killed his promised seed. Doing what God told him to do. But he continued to listen. Huh? He prepared the altar. He put Isaac on the altar. He gets ready to sacrifice him as he brings the dagger up. He hears the voice of the Lord. Saying, hold up. I've got a ram for you, right? Because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth, the ongoing word, right? The continual word, the progressive word. And you need that continual progressive word in your life because if you don't, you can miss your promise. Amen. Amen. Y'all are good Presbyterians this morning. Luke chapter 1, verse 39. I'm talking about doing something you've never done. I'm talking about going where you've never been. You can't, you can't have different results doing the same thing you've always done. Was it Einstein that said that the, the uh, description of a fool is to think that you can continue to do what you've always done and have different results? Amen. If you want different results, you've got to do something different. 
If you don't like what you're getting now spiritually, then do something different. Amen. Luke 1 verse 39. And now Mary rose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then she spoke with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But, they, but why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Right? Of course, this is when Mary is pregnant with Jesus and You've heard me say this before, but this is a generational connection here. That Mary is young, 14 to 16 years old. Nobody in her age group has ever went through what she is going through. And, she, and God says you need to connect to another generation. Right? And so he tells her that Mary, or excuse me, that Elizabeth is six months ahead of her. Right? In other words, Elizabeth has been craving pickles at 2 o'clock in the morning for six months now. She's ahead of her. She, she knows what she's going through. She knows what every stage of this, this being pregnant is all about and says you need to connect yourself to somebody that has been through what you're now going through. How many know that's good wisdom? And, and so now Elizabeth, Mary goes over to Elizabeth and when Elizabeth or Mary gives Elizabeth a, a salutation or a greeting or a blessing, the Bible says that, uh, that, that the baby began to leap in Elizabeth. If you read this story and, and it suggests that, that she had never felt the baby until this time. When you study it out, it suggests that, that perhaps that she never knew that the baby was, was alive or not alive. But whenever she heard the salutation, when she heard the greeting of Mary, something happened not only to her physically but spiritually. Because physically, Elizabeth's baby, perhaps for the first time, leaped in her womb. But not only that, that the, the Holy Spirit came upon Elizabeth and now she gets a word of knowledge. Amen. Now she's operating in the gifts of the Spirit and she gets this word of knowledge and she says to, to her, she says, you're a blessed woman. She says, you're carrying the Son of God in your womb. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And so Elizabeth was the first one to know. Besides Mary, of course, right, Joseph, but, but she was the first one to know outside of them that this was the Son of God. And it was by the Spirit of God that came upon her. And so then she began to speak. And that's the reason why I pressed on you and pushed on you to tell you that you need to tell your story. You need to open your mouth because the Bible is full of confirmation when people speak the word of the Lord. We wouldn't even be here today if God had not spoken. And you create your future by your words. That's the reason why you can't go around in the molly grubs and have a hillbilly, uh, you know, of religion, of, of gloom and despair and agony on you. Because all you're doing is creating and forming your future and your world. you got to declare and decree the things that God has spoken over you and create and form your future. Amen. And so that's what Elizabeth was doing. She's seen something as her baby leaped. Now she is spirit-filled. Now she begins to get a word of knowledge. And she understands that Mary is birthing the Son of God. 
right? And she said, you, you, you are blessed. You are blessed. And so then she goes on here in uh, verse 59. And so it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcision, circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. But his mother answered and said, no, he shall be called John. Right? Now, you remember the story. Zacharias is, is uh, he's mute. Right? Why is he mute? Because when he heard the promise of God, he laughed. Let me just say to you today that anyone who laughs at your vision is an enemy of your success. And you need to saturate them with your absence. Amen. Leave them alone. Let them go. So long. Right? It's true. You just got to let them go. Because if they're laughing at the vision that God has put in your heart, they're not for you. They're an enemy of your success. Oh, what makes you think you can do that? And nobody else has ever done that. Right? Nobody else is named John in the whole family. But they said to her, there is no one among your relatives by the, this name. So they signed to his father what he would have him called, and he asked for a writing tablet and wrote saying, his name is John. So they all marveled, and immediately his mouth was open, and his tongue was loosed, and he spoke praises to God, and then fear came on all who dwelt among them, and all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judah, and all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, What kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Amen. And so God brings about this generational connection. And then we see that Zacharias is mute for a season because he laughed. And then... <clears throat> When he began, it came time to name him, it was just a natural thing to name him Zacharias Jr. Or Zacharias number two, three, four, whatever it was. Generational, from generation to generation, just keep on handing down the name, right? But they said, no, God's about to do something different. He's, he's going to use John, he's going to use this baby like he's never used anybody else in our family before. How many know whenever you start talking like that, people will look at you uh, bug-eyed. And they'll, they'll think, well, what do you think you are? And who do you think you are? That you, your child is special and you think that they're going to do something and, and, and all of that mess, Right? We've all dealt with that at some point in some stage in our life. But I want to tell you today that, that there comes a time in our walk with God that you're going to have to do something you have never seen nobody else do before. Amen. Dad preached all of my life. He was associate pastor for... 20 some years, 25, 26 years, Pat, he served another man's vision. He uh, started pastoring and uh, all of the time that he was pastoring, he still carried a secular job. He worked a secular job and he never uh, pastored until later in his years when he retired that he went into full-time ministry. It was a face step for me. I was the first person that I knew in my family or anybody else that, that, uh, that I knew close or personal that, that was going to do ministry full time. Right? I'd been to college. They told me at uh, college that whatever I did, don't ever pursue preaching. One boy uh, 
went and heard me preach whenever I first started preaching and he, he gave me some advice and he said, don't quit your day job. <laughs> Amen. But it was a faith step because I'd heard the Lord say to me. Amen. Now, it didn't come with, you know, my, my Jordan wasn't as big as Joshua's Jordan. My, my Jordan came in the form of money. Because I could have went to the foundry and started working at that time for $28 an hour. And that was a lot of money back then. I had a job. All I had to do is show up. And I could start working for 20. I thought, now I'm going to tell you, my flesh said, well, I can get me a nest egg and then I can go preach anytime. Yeah. But there was something on the inside. I'm not saying that it's, I, I admire people that, that labor in a secular job and, and pastor. I don't know how they do it. it, it, it it's, it's, a, it's a heavy load. And I admire people that do that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just telling you my experience. It took faith for me to do it. It took faith for me to step out and to take that step of faith and believe God and trust God. And, and, and uh, there was a lot of days whenever we was in evangelism that Renee and I, we'd eat uh, hot dogs. <laughs> and we'd eat our, our, whenever we even first went into pastoring, our, our Sunday night was uh, rice and beef stew. Amen. I'm just telling you, I'm telling you that, not to say poor me, I'm just telling you, I've not always been as blessed as we are today. Amen. And uh, we, Renee and I, we thought we was really up, up scale whenever we could go out and eat hot dogs at uh, Dairy Queen with everybody else in the church on Sunday night. We'd done stepped up. Amen. But it takes faith. If you're going to do something and get something you've never had before, you've got to do something you've never done before. And, and it takes faith to do that. But if you'll do that, God, how many know God's not going to let you down? God's not going to leave you hanging. He's going, he's going to show up in your life and he's going to reveal himself to you in a, in a supernatural way. And that's what happened here. Whenever we see the salutation comes, something begins to shift whenever Elizabeth has the boldness to say, you're not going to name him Zacharias, you're going to name him John. And there's some things in our life that it seems like that everybody else is on board with. Everybody else says this is the way. But it just because everyone else is on board doesn't mean it's the right board. Some people say, well, you don't know. You, you know, uh, you're just trying to cause trouble. Right? I was in a state meeting one time. I don't know if I ever told you this or not. I was in a state meeting one time. And we was uh, voting on some things, and and I, I, uh, some of my friends, they was, you know, we was talking beforehand and how I was going to approach this situation and all, and and so, anyways, I was on the front row of uh, this meeting, and they said, anybody in uh, disagreement with this, stand. I stood up. I was the only one stood up. These cowards said they were, but they didn't. Right? They lied. I was labeled as a rebellious person. I went to the overseer and I said I didn't. And I explained to him why that I disagreed with this. It's not because I'm trying to rebel. And I shared with him the reason why I was in disagreement with this. I said I'm not going to to stand up in front of these people and lie so that I have the approval of people and then turn around and not do what I just told you I'm going to do. And so therefore I'm not standing for this. I'm not, a, I'm not in agreement with it. Now, whenever the thing passes, then we do what everybody else does, right? But let me, I, I tell you all that, but let me tell you that what I did then is then a few weeks later, I get a letter in the mail. And I was in the southern part of West Virginia, and uh, I don't even, didn't even recall this, but, but a young boy said that in this letter, he said that he was bleeding out, and they, they, the doctors couldn't find where the bleeding was coming from or why he was bleeding. 
But he said that in the revival that I prayed for him and, and declared to him that he would live and not die and the blood flow would have to stop and that he would live. And so he sends me this letter and he says that on that morning of that meeting that he begins, and this has been about uh, two years prior to that, he said on that morning he begins to bleed again and begins to have a loss of blood and he don't know if he needs to go to the hospital or what. And he says he went to that meeting that morning uh, not knowing if he had done the right thing or not, but he said in that meeting whenever I seen you stand up, he said the Spirit of the Lord Reminded me of the promise that he gave me. Amen. Reminded me of the promise that he gave me. And he said, I grabbed hold of that promise again. And he said that blood dried up. And he said, I haven't had any more problems. Sometimes you just got to stand up if nobody else stands up or not. Sometimes you just got to do the right thing. And whenever the Holy Spirit puts it in your heart, you may look like the oddball. You may look like the crazy one. But if you have the faith to do what God puts in your heart to do, I promise you, you'll not be the laughing stock. You'll be the one that will perform miracles and you'll see the miraculous take place in your life because you've obeyed the word of the Lord. You obeyed the word of the Lord. That's what Elizabeth did. She, she opened up something when she obeyed. She did something she had never done. In this, in this environment, in this culture, it was not natural for a woman to take authority like this. Huh? But she went against that, not because she was rebellious, but because she had heard the word from the Lord. And so she now creates an atmosphere for everything that God has planned. Because now Elizabeth is six months ahead of Mary and is now her mentor and, and these steps that she would go through. But she didn't know everything that John would be. <laughs> the reason he couldn't be called Zacharias is because he was going to do something Zacharias didn't have the boldness to do. Amen. John was the forerunner. Right? He was the one preparing the way for the Messiah. He was the bumper. He was the plowman. He was the one that was preparing. He was cutting the way out and preparing the way for the Messiah, for the Son of God. Right? And so he had to be, he had to have a, a different spirit. He had to have a, something inside of him that was different than his daddy, his granddaddy had because he was doing something they did never do. And so now this spirit comes on John to do that, and now he is the forerunner, he is the preparer of the way. And so if Mary would have never spoken to Elizabeth, perhaps this baby would have been born dead. Huh? But because Mary obeys, the baby leaps in her womb. And resurrection, life, and power comes to her. She is filled with the Holy Spirit. She begins to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. And now she is preparing the way. Now the one that is preparing the way for her baby has now come to life so that he can do what God has created him to do. You never know what may be dead and dormant in somebody else. And just one act of obedience will cause the baby to resurrect. It will cause life to come to what is on the inside of them. You never know the hell and the problems and the torment and the things that people have even of the spiritual babies, if you will, that people have abandoned or aborted and say it will never come to pass. But one word out of your mouth, one word of of the anointing of God upon your life and you declare it prophetically over them will cause resurrection, will cause life, will cause hope, will cause the power of God to be released into their life so that they can do what God has called them to do. Amen.
So don't ever remain silent. Amen. Don't ever be quiet. But open your mouth and declare the word of the Lord. Amen. They said they all marveled because his name was John. And immediately, Zacharias' mouth was opened. As I've said earlier, I'm bringing this plane in. It isn't the grandiose things that we're looking for that we think that God is going to make us do that's going to make a difference. It's just being obedient. It's taking your shoes off, Moses. It's striking the rock. It's speaking. It's speak the word only. Huh? It's simple things. And as I said earlier, they're so simple, they sound foolish. How's that going to bring about a miracle? Well, first of all, you and I cannot do miracles anyhow. It's the obedience that releases God to do miracles. And if we'll be obedient, God will take care of the rest. I believe today it's time for some folks to take a faith walk again. Take a faith walk. How long has it been since you've done something for God that took faith? How long has it been since you've done something for God that had the, had the chance of failing? How long has it been since you've had to hear a word from God to accomplish what you've set out to do? Because this is what I know about God. God doesn't speak every day. But he does speak. And if you'll follow his word that he gives you now, you may not hear another word until you need another word. But he is faithful to speak when we need him to speak. Amen. Man, wouldn't it be awesome if he'd just lay it all out? I know some people are like that and I, I, I admire them. They get all of it. Whenever God tells them to do something, they get all of it. They get it all from front to the end of how to do it, how everything. I ain't never had that happen to me. But I'll tell you how he works with me. He tells me a word. He gives me a directive. And whenever I obey the word, when I do the directive, it's then he gives me another word, another directive. And it's constantly faith that's moving us toward him. And if I'll stay in close proximity to him, to where I can see him, where I can see his glory, when I know his presence, where I know his power, he's going to continue to give me direction. Turn here, say this go this direction because he's faithful to do it. Amen? Even when I've never been this way before, he's faithful to do it. Stand with me today, please. I don't know who I come to talk to today, but I've come to say something to someone. This word is for you today. If you're ready to take a faith walk, if you're ready to Take the next step. If you're ready to say, God, here I am. I want you to do what only you can do. Maybe you've obeyed the Lord, but it, he's silent. He's quiet. He hasn't said anything recently or updated you on the directives of your life. Maybe, maybe, just maybe it's because he's too much distance between you and him. And you need to draw nigh to him so we can know the way because we haven't been this way before. Amen. As they sing this morning, if this word's for you and you just want to put a yes on it or come and pray, this altar's open. Let us call on him today.